welcome to Dale Tribe Talks. If you haven't met us before, I'm Amy. And I'm John. And we are a family of YouTubers. We have four children who are not in this podcast. We wanted to talk about things a little more in depth about parenting, spirituality, life topics. Yeah, there's lots of stuff that we would love to talk about and we're tempted to talk about in our daily vlogs and we just end up not not going there and we wanted to provide a place where when people ask questions that were the kind of questions we wouldn't necessarily talk about in the vlog because it's just not our daily life stuff uh, in the same way we wanted to have a context to be able to chat about some of that stuff yes absolutely and um if you haven't checked out our vlog before you can find us on youtube at the dale tribe and you will see what we get up to yeah we have a lot of fun. We do. Today our subject that we wanted to talk about is impact. And the impact that you have on others. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I kind of wanted to point out was that you do have impact. I think a lot of people think I'm not in contact with a lot of people. I don't have a huge amount of people that I, you know, like we're, we're YouTubers, so we have more reach or, you know, whatever. They compare themselves. The truth is... It doesn't matter what size of, you know, the population is that you reach, right. you are having an impact. And that impact can be negative or positive. Yeah. I mean, every time you interact with someone else, you either are going to have a good or a bad impact on them. You're either going to make them feel better or you're going to make them feel worse. And totally. so we just yeah. want to talk about being aware of that. That's a piece that I think a lot of people aren't really aware of how they impact other people. Uh, John and I were talking the other day about people who you walk on eggshells around. Mm -hmm. You know, those people who you don't know, you know, they're great when they're happy, but then they're, they bring in this cloud of doom when they're right. upset or something's irritating them and you don't know what you're going to get. So every time you go into a conversation or an encounter with them, mm -hmm. you're sort of tiptoeing around like, okay, what, who's it going to be this time? Is it going to be happy right. or upset person that is one of the things that's just really important to know yourself right. and to stop and this is a thing about growth is it's very easy in life to just continue to go along with what you're doing and it's comfortable and it's working for you but if we do not stop and evaluate and kind of take um what's the word i'm looking for take stock take stock yeah take stock of what's going on inside of us and how we're affecting and impacting other people then we can get ourselves into a situation where we're really not making a positive influence. Right. A positive impact, I guess I should say. So I think the first step to really understanding your own impact is just taking a moment to stop and think about it. Right. Think about other people's reactions to you as a human. Because sometimes we can be offended how people react to us or we can... But it's important to stop and think about how they're reacting to us and then kind of go backwards in time and go, why did they react that way? And why do so many people react that way to me? Right. I think a lot of people, they sort of their internal dialogue, I'm guessing, is, man, a lot of people are X, Y, Z when they're around me. And they blame it, like they, they shift it to like, it must be the other people. And I think often if you find that a lot of people react a certain way that it's a question of like, well, is that all of them or is that actually something in me that's sort of eliciting that response from them? There's a quote that says, I'm successful in a relationship when 
the person I'm relating to says, I feel best about me when I'm with you. And that's what I want from the people I'm around, the people I have encounters with. I want them to leave an encounter with me feeling better about themselves, feeling better and encouraged and feeling better about who they are. And even if it's a hard conversation, I want them to know that they're loved Mm -hmm. and that they are valuable and that they're valued humans. And that is where it gets a little tricky sometimes when our impact is different than our intent. Right. So let me give an example of that. One of the things that can be really helpful in figuring this kind of stuff out is having friends who will give you feedback. Uh, an amazing question to ask your friends is something along the lines of, like, what is my impact on you? What is my effect on you? How do you feel when you're around me? I have a, a group of really close friends, some guys that I work with, and there was, I guess it was probably two or three years ago that we had these series of conversations with each other about what is the impact that we're having on each other. And when it came my turn to be the guy kind of in the hot seat, it was very interesting. What they all said was that I give off this air of nothing ever being wrong. And that actually makes it really difficult to be friends with me. Like you're not approachable. Because I'm not approachable. I always seem to be successful. I always seem to have everything together. And therefore, it always felt like, oh, we don't really measure up. Like Mm -hmm. we'll never be quite as good as John is. And I think that part of what I was trying to do is just not be negative. Like, you know, not, not be the guy that brings things down. But the truth is what my close friends want from me is like honesty, authenticity, and they want to know when things aren't going well. So for example, two years ago when Aspen was diagnosed with type one diabetes, I was not doing well. Like I was spiraling. Like I felt like I had to hold everything together for the family Mm -hmm. and for Aspen and for you. And I could just tell that like, I was like in a downward spiral and not doing well. And we actually right here in this room, which was my office, I asked, you know, Alex and Morgan and Aaron to come over and we sat right here around around this coffee table behind me. And I was just like in tears telling them like all the things I was going through, the things I was thinking, the doubts I was having, the fears I was having, all of this stuff. It was fascinating because not only were they there for me and they listened to me, but at the end of that time, they all said, this is the John that we miss. The John that's honest, that's vulnerable, that doesn't have everything together. Over the years, I've had other people give me that similar feedback of, I, like, I don't feel better about myself when I'm around you. And it's, and it's because in the case of me, like, I tended to put off this air of, I've got, like, it all I've got it all together and I, don't, I just don't talk about stuff being bad. I figured nothing. everything out. Yeah, which, and that's, um, yeah. So, so we there's haven't. A, we have uh, not at all. And so yes, we haven't. actually for me, I've had to be like, I, I, I try to be careful now mm-hmm. that when I'm in friendships, I'm in relationships that I present both sides. So right. like when things aren't going great, like, I, I don't dwell on that, but I but I talk about it right. and I share that because I don't want my impact. I don't want people, the effect that I have on people is, I, I don't want it to be for them to feel worse about themselves. Totally. Um, and, I, and I think that 
uh, when we start looking at like who we are and what our gifting and what our calling is and what God designed us to be, like one of the things that I hope and one of the things that like I think part of my effect is supposed to be on people is that they feel better about themselves, that they feel inspired, that they, um, I mean, I love that when I'm able to have a conversation with someone and they go do something that they wouldn't have done otherwise, right. like that that's when I kind of feel like I'm in my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. But because I was unaware of my effect, I was actually having the exact opposite effect rather than having the effect of like, man, this guy's relatable, but he's also like inspiring me. Totally. Yeah. And I think that it brings out a, a couple interesting thoughts. And one is it's different for every person and there's no really one answer to how to relate. Like you would think having a positive outlook would be a really good thing. And it is, right. but right. there's also a but where you kind of have to understand, like that's why it's so valuable to be able to have a group of people that you can ask because then you see like, okay, me have, being positive is actually really great, but there's a right. piece that's like miscommunicated with my good friends that I need to work on. That's a really important thing to note. Also, like you mentioned, I also have an amazing group of friends. Mm -hmm. They have called me out on some things that I need to be called out on and talk to me about stuff. First of all, I think there's a couple things to think about in that. One is having a group of friends who will do that. And I think what was important in my group of friends that I had is we had a conversation about it before we ever did it for the first time. It was like, hey guys, I want this relationship to be more than just an acquaintance. Mm -hmm. I want us to be able to call each other out on things and to talk to each other about deep truths. So I give you permission to speak into my life Mm -hmm. in this area and I are in my whole life and whatever you see in my life, I give you permission and, um, and they, you know, also gave me permission so that there's this relationship that's not just your average, Hey, let's be buddies and let's go out for drinks occasionally or whatever. So that's one, there's like a different depth to your relationship and there's a permission given. You don't just go up to people who you've been acquaintances with and say, hey, I see that you've had some issues in your mm-hmm. life and I want to talk to you about them. <laughs> that would not be helpful for anybody. The other thing is positioning yourself so that when your friends call you out on something or even when you ask that question, like John said, they were asking the question, like, how do you, how do I come across to you? Mm-hmm. How, how, what is my impact like? When you are in the position to receive input mm-hmm. on that, you have to be in a position to receive it. Like right. you, you can't defend right. yourself. Like even a little bit, you can't defend, you can't explain. Right. You have to just listen. And if anything, like repeat back what you've heard. So what I'm hearing you, you saying say, is that my effect on you is this, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Is that right? Is there anything you'd add to that? Right. And, and just take it and rather than like trying to defend or come back or explain anything, just like accept it and then like think on it for a while. And then maybe later on the next day or something, go back for clarification for, Hey, can I explain the situation? And maybe like, you know, but, but you, it's just so careful. You have to be so careful not to be like defensive because if you're defensive, it becomes like a not safe place for that feedback. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, if you're going to pursue musical theater or art or something mm-hmm. performance-wise, if you can't go into a room and do your thing and have them say, yeah, that was okay, but here's the things you need to work mm-hmm. on and receive that, 
then you might not, you know, you might not be ready for like really performing. You might need to work on a little bit more. And it's that kind of thing. You have to go in with the mentality of, first of all, assuming the best about that person. Like if you've asked this person to give you input or if you've given them permission to give you input, then you're going to assume that they love you and that they're saying what they feel like is best for you. Mm-hmm. And they're ex- expressing their genuine experience with you. So I think it's important to take that to heart. And I would, like John was saying, I would sit on it for a few days. And, you know, for us, we'll like ask God about it. What is this? And I'm coming across this way. And why is this? And where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, asking for some some help in changing your trajectory a little Mm -hmm. bit about how you relate to people. But if your closest friends are getting these impressions, Mm -hmm. you have to think that it's going to be almost magnified for other people. It feels like some of this is like um, friendship 201. (laughs) What I mean by that is like we've, you know, we're 41 and you're almost 42. Um, we're the same age for a few days. We right are. Now. Right now, we're both 41 years old. Yeah. Uh, but we've had good friendships for the best part of the last decade. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, like the first 30 years of our lives, I don't think that I, for one, other than you maybe, right. had like that type of friendships with people, except for a few occasions here and there, people like Levi and, and, and some other folks. What would you say to someone who's listening to this and says, yeah, that's great. But I don't have any friends like that. Right. Well, here's here's one of the things I think people do in this context. We have a lot of people who will talk to us and say, oh, man, you guys have an amazing community. You guys have amazing friends. Well, you probably have the potential friend seeds around you who mm-hmm. would also be amazing friends. But one of the things I find sometimes is it's very easy to find fault with potential friends. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I like them, but, you know... Right, I mean, I can think of people I know who consistently over the years, when they've found, begun to have friendship with people, they've found something that just is, like, not right, they don't agree with, they disagree on politics or religion or a personality thing, and that ends the friendship. And I think one of the things that's really interesting as we look at, like, our core friend group is... It's a pretty diverse group. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of our friends are 10 years older or 10 years younger than us. Mm -hmm. A lot of them would have different like political beliefs than we have. Um, Different interests. I think the thing you have to understand is that it's easy to look from the outside Mm -hmm. in to a community or to a group of friends and say, oh, well, I'll never have that. Or they just have such a great, it's just, they just happen to be lucky and get such a great group of people. It's kind of like looking in on a marriage. They're just lucky because it's just, they're just both great people. You know, I think that it's actually a few things. And one is that, you know, any group of people can be that group of people. And so it's understanding that our friends aren't perfect. We love them. No, we're, we're the only ones in our it's friend group. It's just us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's, you know, it's good to understand that you're not going to be in a group of people without issues. Right. Period. In any setting in your life. And so when you're looking for deep friendships, you're going to be in a group of people who have issues. And right. sometimes you're going to trigger those issues. And what's going to need to happen is you're going to have to say, 
hey, we're going to have to actually confront this now. Right. Which is the part where some of you will run screaming. Away, right. I mean, with every, which would have been me. Every one ago. of our core friends, both up here and our friends down in the Springs, there have been tough, difficult things that we've had to work through. In our friendships. In our that friendships way. that I've seen other people walk away, walk away over, over the same things or, or lesser things. And so it like there's, it takes hard work, isn't always easy, and but it is very worth it. Like I'm very thankful for the fruit of it in our lives. Oh, absolutely. So, so grateful. And I think that part of it too is I think I think one of the biggest things about picking the people you want to go deep with mm-hmm. is that they're a safe place. Right. I mean, my best friends, like I have one best friend I'm thinking of in particular. She loves crafting. She likes modern dance. And you we hate have, crafting. I hate crafting. Do modern dance is not my thing. Right. And I love geek stuff. She could care less. She wants to watch the nine-hour version of Pride and Prejudice, and I just feel like killing somebody if I have to watch that much Pride and Prejudice. Right. So, you know, I mean, but she would not really enjoy watching the Star Wars marathon with me either. So, you know, it, but that's the thing is I think people think they're looking for somebody who's like, it's like e-harmony match for right. friends. You know, we have to have the same interests, the same political views, and, you know, get warm, fuzzy feelings about everything together and... I just think it's more about somebody who's a safe place mm-hmm. who you can trust to take care of your heart. And if you do have an issue, who will push through with you right. and go, hey, you know, can we talk about this? Because this hurt my feelings when you said this. And right. I, felt, I felt like you disregarded me. And when that happens, that's when you can really see where your relationship is. Because if something like that happens and you approach them and talk to them and they're receptive and go... I mean, I am so sorry that yeah. you felt that way. And then then that's where the relationship's built. Right. There's a verse, I think, in the Bible that says something along the lines of, like, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Mm-hmm. And that isn't, like, malicious wounds. That's, like, things are not right. There is something wrong. And I don't think you're aware of it. Let me tell you about that. And that process is really painful. Mm-hmm. Like, to be on the receiving end of that or, frankly, on the giving end of that, that's really yeah, painful. it's not easy. But when you know that your hearts for each other are good, yeah. Uh, when you know that you love each other and that you give, like, this, this thing of the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. like, and we try to do that in our marriage as well, it's like, at the end of the day, we give benefit of the doubt, meaning they were not trying to hurt me. Right. And what that allows for is it allows for those quote-unquote wounds that are faithful that they they actually allow for restoration they allow for healing um they allow us to like clean up our stuff yeah absolutely i think it's really important and to circle it back to where we started it's for us that's one of the biggest pieces that has helped us understand our impact on other people I like the beginning of a new year because it always makes me think about these things in myself and how I'm relating to other people and sort of what areas of my life are working and what areas need work. And um, this is one of those that I think is really important because even whether you're a people person or not, introvert or extrovert or any of those things, mm-hmm. you your impact on other humans is important and it matters. And, you know, I've had situations where I've gone into the grocery store for something and had somebody, the checkout lady, be super nice to me. 
And it just kind of changed my vibe when I left. You right. know, I may have gone in kind of in a funk and left feeling really great. And I think even just small exchanges, it's really important to remember that every human is really valuable and important and to not disregard others, even if they're really difficult for you relationally. And that's a piece I think that's really important is it says a lot about you, how you handle people who are difficult for you. If you are that person that I used to be terrible at this. What do you mean? Expand on that. Um, I would say like the first 12 years of our marriage, you were always scared if I was in a situation with someone who was providing customer service of some kind. Oh, yes. Because if I felt like it was bad customer service, I felt like that gave me the right to... To abuse them. To set them straight, <laughs> tell them what was wrong, all of that stuff. And me, having come from a customer service background where I had worked as like a server at a restaurant mm -hmm. and all this for a few years, I was just... It would make me irate. I would get so upset about yeah. this. Like, please, you cannot mistreat this yeah. person. This person... I think that's the thing we need to remember is... No matter the situation, I, f I think if you feel wronged by customer service or mistreated or whatever, I don't feel like it gives you a right, right to mistreat or ruin someone else's day by being unkind to them. Because, you know, I try to live by the golden rule, which is treat other people the way you want to be right. treated. And if I am having a bad day and maybe I'm rude to someone else, it, right. I don't want to be treated badly for right. that because I made a mistake. And also the Bible says a soft answer mm -hmm. turns away wrath. So like if someone's angry, getting angry back at them just makes them angrier. Right. It just increases the situation. So it's like learning to use kindness right. in the face of difficult situations having the soft, kind voice. And I have found that customer service people will bend over backwards for right. me because I'm really yep. nice to them. And um, I just think, I always told John, whatever the result of the transaction is not worth injuring the person right. and being unkind Right, to and I think the big transition for me was when we had a company that I started, I co-founded, where I ended up running the customer service team. And we were on, <laughs> Irony. The, we were on the other side of that. You know, yeah. we had, I had a team of people, all my friends, who were answering the phone and taking emails from people. And, you know, we would try to do everything we could to help customers out. But there were some people that just, you could just tell, they were like, they were looking for the fight. And mm -hmm. I realized that's how I am, right? Like, it's my chance to whatever. And so... Um, Sometimes, yeah, but nowadays when I, oh, nowadays even when things totally are wrong, different. right, if I get on the phone and call someone, my wife is Amy. Amy is not like, uh-oh, what's John going to say? <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think that. I got better. You did. You got a lot better. <laughs> I, I just think that um, it's just not worth it mm -hmm. in customer service or anything else. It's always... Well, they're, peop they, they're people. They are, they're people. Like, they're somebody's mom. They're somebody's wife. They're yeah. somebody's brother. Like, mm -hmm. and most of the time, they didn't make the policy. Right. They're just trying to do their job. If you know. they are 
if they are mistreating you or being rude or any of those things or being uncaring, like there's always a story. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't that they had a crappy day mm-hmm. or whatever. Like there, there's a reason why. And so in those situations to be friendly and, you know, sometimes it means you don't get treated the way you should have been or you don't get what you were hoping for. But like it's more important to come bring it full circle. It's more important the impact that we have on people and that being positive than it is that you get, you know, whatever the thing sorted out. Yeah. And I want to address really quick. I tend to be a bit Pollyanna myself and really positive and try to look at life that way. And there's people who will come against me and just be like, you know, we need, what about like being honest and what about, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't feel like I'm being dishonest when I'm kind to people and when I consider their feelings. Even if I've had a bad day, I'm not, I mean, I can say, you know, you can, you can be honest with somebody by saying, I'm sorry, I've had a really bad day. This has been a rough day for me and I'm sorry if I was short with you or whatever. But I think that it's separate, it's a separate issue. Like, um, like being kind to someone shouldn't have to do with your circumstances. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I am kind to you when I've had a good day. Like your shirt. Kindness regardless. Yeah, I have a shirt that says kindness regardless. And I think that that is the thing. It shouldn't, nothing else should be a variable to kindness. You treat people with kindness, period. And that's just how it works. And when, um, I I think the thing that a lot of people you know, don't understand in their relating style is that when they've had a bad day or when they're just not feeling it today or they're not feeling good or whatever, Mm -hmm. they come in and they bring this cloud of doom with them and everybody has to pay, you know, because we're all trying to figure out what's wrong with this person and let's try to make them happier or whatever. And it's not fair. Um, I've told my kids from the time they were very young, listen, you know, emotions are going to be a thing you're going to experience. You're going to have days where you feel really happy. You're going to have one day maybe where you feel happy and then Mm -hmm. mad and then sad. You know, emotions are roller coasters and we don't want to ride roller coasters every day. So, you know, I, I think it's really important to not let our emotions be the driver. Does not mean that we don't acknowledge our emotions and that we don't think they're important because we totally do. But Again, I think if we let our emotions drive us, it means that there's a lot of things that can be altered, and one of them is how we treat other people. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, answer a few questions from people. We let people know on the vlog that we were going to be doing this podcast, and some people submitted questions. If you have questions that you want us to answer, uh, leave us a comment. Um, If you're on YouTube, leave us a comment in the comments on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to us on like iTunes or some other podcasting thing, uh, go over to YouTube, find Dale Tribe Talks, and leave a comment there if you have a question. Um, we'd love to try and answer some of your questions each time we do this. Okay, so you got a question? Yes. From someone? So Sophie Harvey left a question, and she said, what are your views on going to college versus not going to college Ooh. and on following your own path in life? Thanks. That is a great question, Sophie. So, so obviously, you guys know if you've been watching the vlog that Anna, our oldest, is in the process right now of applying and thankfully being accepted and choosing 
uh, university to go to. But I don't know if we've talked about this before. For art. Yeah, right. So I think she's going to be pursuing animation. Did you go to college? I did not. Did you? I did not. So we are one of those really rare yeah. people our age who didn't go to college. I don't know any, actually, no, none, none of our, of our friends. None of our friends didn't go to college. I don't think we have a single friend in our like main friend group. No, we've got some younger friends like Nick. Yeah, but, uh, but, he, but he's yeah, thinking about going to college now. That's what too. happens when you get mentored by me. Um, <laughs> so, um, so why didn't you go to college? Talk, talk to me about that. Well, I think I was n never, I, didn't, I, I never really thrived in school. Why? Tell that story. Uh, well, I'm dyslexic. I didn't find out until recently, a few years but did ago. But you, you used to do really well in school, right? I did well in school. When I was in middle school, I was in National Honor Society, and I got really made fun of, and I just decided that I wasn't going to be in Honor Society anymore. And so that's why, I, that's why I didn't make good grades in high school. I actually made fine grades, but I didn't care as much anymore. And I think that it was easy for me to make that choice because I don't like the classroom setting. Mm. I don't like the way things are taught. When I homeschool my kids, I do things really differently because I think, for instance, history Somehow people, like teachers in high school, often find a way to suck all the life and joy out of history and make you memorize dates and places of wars that you have no idea why they were fought, what was even happening. Right. You know what I mean? You're missing, like... The point of history is the story, story part, right? And I love stories. Yeah. Like, I thrive on stories. Stories is one of my favorite things. And so for me, they took, they just, it felt like they just drained the life out of things and then handed it to you and right. it was like this lifeless thing they take like, all oh. the things that matter which is why things happened right and what caused things to happen and you end up memorizing a bunch of dates and that's facts. what school felt like just memorizing yeah. crap which i'm fairly good at memorizing things and not and all schools are that way no right? there are some not all schools teachers are that way. and there are some teachers who are amazing and who are so good totally. at like bringing a subject to life but there's also a lot of not great school situations. Totally. And that's kind of where I was. My sister thrived in academic setting. Mm -hmm. You know, get you in a desk. This is like, I'm going to learn about this and I'm going to conquer it and it's going to be awesome. I would have been, I would have learned way more if they'd taken me on a nature hike. And even if it was not about nature, even if they were talking about right, Which your things. dad did all the time. Right. You learned tons of stuff, right? My dad yeah. would do that to me all the time. He would just take me out or he'd be building with me and teach me stuff yeah. while he's building. And I mean, I don't know if this is how you build apparently. I think for me, that was part of what I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. And I think if I could have, if I would have felt like it was possible, I didn't have a lot of confidence, as much confidence then as I have now in myself. And if I, I think if I had felt it was possible for me to go to college for music, art, dance, anything right. creative. And, but the, in the school you were at, you ended up moving out of Tulsa to this really small town. And they didn't really have like a creative arts program. No, they did theater. not have art, like visual art at all. Did they have theater? They didn't have a choir. They didn't have theater. Wow. They would do a play once a year. Because you would have thing. been like musical theater would have been your thing. I would have been 100% yeah. musical theater yeah. all the way. And and creative writing. I, I, got in, I went in speech class. Right. Which they went to, they went to a co speech competitions. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like a monologue. 
So my first competition, I qualified for state, but I didn't want to go because yeah. I hated it. Yeah. It was just, it wasn't free. It wasn't, it was just, anyway, so. So then when you came to like senior year where Anna is, you didn't want to go to an academic school. I did not want to, I was, I could not imagine myself spending one more hour in a classroom right. anywhere. I, I would have just, I was ready to just, yeah. no. If I had thought it was a possibility, like I had a catalog for Juilliard in my drawer mm. that I used to open up and look at their little classes that they offered yeah. and stuff. And I was like, oh man, this would be amazing. Yeah. But it just didn't even seem like yeah. a remote possibility to me. Yeah. How about you? So I was the other end of the spectrum. Both my parents are doctors. Um, there was definitely an expectation that we would go to college. And I did really well in school. Like. I was National Honor Society, like the whole way through and all that jazz and blah, blah, blah. Um, and loved the academic setting. And loved the academic setting. Yeah. Like I loved school and got by. Um, like it, it was easy for me, thankfully. I applied to a school um, and got accepted into an international business and aviation program and uh, also applied and got like their top scholarship, which was a full ride academic scholarship. And then... You and I started talking. Guys, we got married instead of going to college, I think. That's well. basically what happened. And I think it, in our minds at that point, we didn't have a grid for like, we could get married and go to college. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, we want to get married. And also, like, you didn't ever tell me not to go to college, but like I'd already started the business and I was pretty entrepreneurial. And so we got married. I started a company. Some of them were successful. Yeah. Some of them have not been we're kind of the poster ch children for how you can it's do okay without succeed. without college. Yeah, but I mean, it's not that we're not learners. No, right? that's like we're definitely learning not the case. all the time. Right. We've done classes, we do classes, we read, we listen to things. I ended up doing an MBA program with this guy named Seth Godin in New York even though I didn't have an undergraduate degree. Yeah, that's like a 6-month program. Yeah, yeah. a 6-month program in New I York. I think I think though like looking back, I, I mean, I would have thought we were crazy. I mean, we just we were nineteen and twenty, yeah, and got married yeah. and didn't go to college and everything. Now, I mean, everything worked out awesome. It has. I wouldn't change but it. But if I was an adult looking at these two kids, I would be thinking, "You stop, right. stop now, run right. away. What are you doing?" But as far as thinking towards our kids, right. so that's getting back to the original question, long, long run to get there. And for people, I mean, Sophie's asking, I'm guessing, because she is right, thinking not just about, kids. should I go to college or not? Yeah. I think that our culture and our society has become the society of there is one schooling method, there is one way to success. And the one schooling method is sort of the go to the typical school, get your high school diploma. And the one like path to success is go to college. Right. And I don't think that that is the best thing for no. everybody. I mean, looking at, go ahead, sorry. I mean, no, go ahead. What well, I was just saying, looking at our kids, right? Like Anna, amazing artist, also really gifted in like English, creative writing, that kind of stuff. Like she's a natural fit mm -hmm. for more education. Right. You know, Eli, on the other hand, I like I, I, he may go, but I, I'd be surprised if he goes to college. Like he'd more likely go to maybe film school or something or I don't know, go become a professional mountain biker. Like who knows what he'll do. And then like 
Shay, at least now, and she's 13, like, I'd be really surprised if she doesn't end up going to college for musical, musical theater. theater. But that's mm -hmm. why she would go to college is because that's the, that's the next step in musical theater, not because she wants to go get higher education. In, in but that also, sense. I think if you have the opportunity and you love something, then take three or four years of your life and invest in getting better at that something. Right. I think that's, I mean, if I could go back and have that opportunity, I wouldn't change getting married right. to you. It would be, you know, that's a no brainer. But I think I'm looking at like Hannah, our friend who's mm -hmm. doing college for musical theater. And I sat and talked to her for like 45 minutes and just ask her, tell me all about your classes. Tell me all about everything. And it's not like I'm, you know, oh gosh, I wish my life was different at all because I love my life. But I just think what a cool opportunity right. for Anna who loves art and who wants to learn about animation and for Hannah and Shay potentially who loves musical theater. If there's something you love that you can spend, that you're able to have the opportunity money-wise and, you know, whatever else, I just, I mean, I think of course, it's an amazing opportunity. Right. No, there's not going to be another time in your life where you're just going to be afforded, here's an extra four, three or four years for you to just go pursue what you love. You know, right. I mean, it's just, it doesn't now, happen. The flip side of that is, if you don't know what you want to do, I don't know that I would advise someone to go borrow money and go, like, get a degree for the sake of getting a degree. There's a change, like from our generation, even to like our parents' generation. I've done so many different things, mm -hmm. right? My parents have done like two things, right? Mm -hmm. A doctor and then started a business. And like our parents' generation, they were, it was still the generation where you could go to college, you got a degree, you went to work for a company doing whatever it was you went to college for, and you worked there your whole life, and then you got a pension and you retired. Right. Right? Like, that's, that's the way it used to be. That is not the way it is anymore. Mm -mm. Like, most people are going to have seven or eight different careers in their life. Right. And chances are it's going to be outside of the field of their education. And so I think what I would say, Sophie, is you don't have to. If, you, if you're able to afford to, and you have something you're passionate about, uh, a, a college or, you know, in, in the UK, a university education can be phenomenal, but it is not the only way. The important thing is love learning, like learn how to learn and pursue learning. So yes. read books, take classes. The, the value of that college degree is not the piece of paper that lets you check the box that says you have a college degree or a university degree when you apply it for a job somewhere. The value of it is you learn how to be a lifelong learner. Right. And if you take those skills, either you develop them yourself or you go to university or college and you know, have people help you develop those and you go into life like continuing to love learning, um, I think that's where the real value is. I mean, a good example of someone would be like someone like your dad, right? So he's not, he didn't, didn't do a college education, but he is like your classic lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. He is always learning about new things and like it's really like inspiring to watch him because he just goes and figures stuff out mm -hmm. and learns and watches and reads and talks to people and he's like super inquisitive right mm -hmm. if he finds someone who knows something about it he just asks questions mm -hmm. and i think the the power of like asking questions um and then when you don't understand something like saying i don't understand that could you explain that to me rather than most people again, probably to avoid shame, they don't say, oh, I don't understand. They just like, 
not they just don't get the value out of the conversation right like, take the time to say can you explain that and like that's a skill like learning how to learn that's really the skill I think that's valuable yeah time. I agree and I think I inherited that from my dad a bit I remember when I first got married to you yeah his, his parents are both medical doctors from England and they would use this vocabulary that I didn't I read a lot but it's, we didn't take Latin in school like they no, did. No, and I didn't know all the words they would use. So instead of just letting it slide, if they said a sentence with a word I didn't know, I would say, what does that word mean? And then they would, they, I think it challenged them quite a bit because they'd have to think about it and be like, well, this and this and this. And, right. But I am not, I never wanted to be the person who just pretended that I understood the conversation. Right. I always wanted to know what that means because next time you say that, I want to understand it. And, you know, I think that is a really, really important trait. I think... I think whether you go to college or not is um, it's, it's a very personal decision for you, but I think that it is not necessarily the key to success. And I think that you should understand that that learning is something that shouldn't stop. I am constantly learning stuff and pursuing more learning. But I think that it's, it's, a, it's an important decision. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it should be made lightly, whether right. you go to college or not. It shouldn't right. just be like, well, nah, I don't think I'm going to go to college. Yeah. It needs to be something that's really weighed. Like, okay, I'm not going to go to college, but what am I going to do instead in this, you know, with my life? Or what's my sort of goal or trajectory? You know, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think yeah. like working in a fast food restaurant and you're like, eh, I just don't want to go to college. And, you know, like that's not setting yourself up for success. Right. Unless you're working at a fast food restaurant and you're... Because you want to learn skills. Right, and, and you're taking yeah. some Votech classes and you're doing this and you're doing that. You know, I think it's just, you, you don't, you can't just not have a path. Right. I think having a path and at least um, trying, you know, paths change all the time. I get that. But at least trying to right. go down a certain path. So We have family members who worked... And now own a fast food restaurant. Yeah, no shame in that. I right. think it's great. And I have, my very first job was at Hot Dog on a Stick with the chicken bucket hat. hat. And the lemonade. And the making the lemonade. Yeah, it was really great. I wish you still hey. had that uh, outfit. It's pretty yeah. sexy. Yeah, it is. Nothing like wearing a chicken bucket, bucket looking hat. It's great. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah. We probably don't have time for another question because we took so long on that one. I um, hope that was helpful. Sophie, thanks for your question. And thank you guys for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube um, and you enjoy it, give it a thumbs up and leave us a comment below. Let us know what you thought of the episode and if you've got any uh, questions you'd like us to answer in the future. If you don't watch us um, on our family vlog, and you're interested in like knowing what the rest of our life is like, uh, check out The Dale Tribe. We'll leave a uh, link in the description to go check that out. If you're listening to us on iTunes, that means you can't actually see me right now. If you're on iTunes, you know what to do. Go leave a comment on iTunes or whatever platform you're enjoying this on. And uh, yeah, we'll, I don't know exactly how often we're gonna do these. Um, I'm gonna try to do maybe, twice a month. Maybe every other week. Yeah, uh, We'll We'll put goal. one of these up, so anyway. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you again really soon. Bye. Here we go down to the bottom.